0: Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH because here we go... Welcome back for an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks. We have a lot to talk about in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more. You are tuned in for the entertainment edition of the ODPH, and we definitely want to continue the conversation with you after this podcast is done. So head on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in on social media. All our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Twitch links are all right there. You can also check out Parlay Points, which has brand-new comics blog we'll get into later in the show. You can also check out the Tee Public store, get some ODPH swag, all that and so much more is at odphpodcast.com, and always remember to use the hashtag odphpod because kicking off this edition of the podcast, we have to recap the events that unfolded on the second episode of the return, season 11, if you will, of The Walking Dead.
1: Yeah, titled uh, Archerion, I think is how you say it.
0: Uh, Atron, uh part two. Yes, so we know that we are on the final walk to the series finale And I keep saying, they call it final season,
1: but it's 24 episodes. That's two seasons, folks.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a little crazy how they're doing it, but we are still on that walk. And obviously from the events that unfolded when they returned, where Maggie and Negan had their face off and left with a cliffhanger, there was a lot of questions we had going into this episode. So we are going to break down the events of AMC's flagship show. So if you haven't seen the episode yet, we're giving you fair warning. Because after the countdown, we get right into it. So if you want to pause the episode right here, watch it, and then come on back. If not, you've been fair warned. Because in three, two, one, pad. What did you think about episode two, Archion part two?
1: Uh, I thought it was okay episode. You know, again, not a smash, hit, you know, hit home run, grand slam out of the park, but I thought it was pretty decent overall. It continued the first episode, so it had that same kind of tone and vibe and pacing going for it, which I which I definitely enjoyed. Uh, and I'm excited to see where things go.
0: This was okay to me, and I will get into why I just say okay, because we had that great cliffhanger as I alluded to, where Maggie and Negan had the face-off, that we see where Alexandria is now, post Whispers, heading into brand new day, a brand new world, and we have that moment where you have those insurmountable odds against you with the zombie apocalypse. You're trapped underground. You're surrounded. Mm-hmm. Negan, who knows that there's a trap being laid by Maggie because ever since she has returned to the show. You say
1: As my dad likes to say, uh, you're up Shit's Creek without a paddle.
0: Exactly. She has been doing some shifty things, to say the least.
1: I didn't think there'd be a worse dictator, or in this case, rick uh, than Rick. But yo boy, she went full hold my beer.
0: Yeah, exactly. She has gone completely in a different direction than what we've known. And obviously we know the backstory with her and Negan, and we can get into that if we want to. But let's just face it. There is not going to be any peace made between those two, no matter how much No, uh, the story might try pushing that happening. Daryl like,
1: Daryl tolerates him, and that, frankly, to me, is a little surprising. Daryl tolerates
0: him. Yeah.
1: Maggie will never tolerate the man. Nor should she. No.
0: I'm sorry, she killed her husband. Like, what do you expect? And he did it outright to send a message. Like, it was not exactly anything that could be spun into a justified situation. No, mm-hmm. Negan straight up murdered him. Yeah. But now there's that little tension going on between them because as she's trying to lead the group to go get supplies and Negan is saying, we are walking into a trap and you are just literally bringing me down here to die. Mm -hmm. There's a moment that happens in the season premiere that Negan could save the day and help Maggie, but he knows what's going to happen and leaves her for dead as she slips away off the top of the train car into a zombie horde that's on the bottom. Yep. Man, where have I seen this before? I mean,
1: I, I under normal circumstances, I would have been a little frustrated with the outcome of that cliffhanger and how things ended up playing. But, you know, I wasn't totally upset with this. I'm like, you know, because I'm looking at this going, okay, she survives. Normal circumstances, I'd be a little angry. But given the tension between the two, you're not going to have her finally come back just to kill her off.
0: Exactly. But, no, we finally get into the story as it unfolds because... At this stage, Negan is telling everybody in the group, well, Maggie didn't make it. She was behind him, behind him the entire time. She was
1: just behind me. I don't know where she went.
0: Yes. And then from there, we have Daryl on a side mission Mm -hmm. to rescue Dog. I'll say the Dog needs some extra training. Yeah, which I understand they spent a lot of time on this story. Mm -hmm. And I get it. It's Daryl. He's got to get his time in. Because let's face it, the he, hes it's the internet. He's the Wolverine of this group's X-Men. Yep. Like however you want to define it, he's the star of the show. So he's got to get his own so, saga he, his going. His name on.
1: gets top billing in the intro.
0: Yes, but when this is happening, it really kind of takes away from the group because yeah. you have everything that's going on in the subway car, mm-hmm. and we do have that moment where everybody's saying, "Okay, where's Maggie?" and the Negan is the only one smart enough to. He's covering his own tracks, but he's smart enough to figure out. Okay, the big situation is we're gonna die down here mm-hmm. unless we get the hell out of here.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, normally I like seeing Norman Reedus on screen, and and I never shied a chance, you know, to see him on screen in The Walking Dead. But even this for me got a little long in the tooth, just because you know not much really happened. Let's face it, we know he's not gonna die. You know, you've got the the sequel series, spinoff series coming, you know, at some point down the road with him and Carol. So we know he's gonna live. You know, um, but just the fact that like he kept going, he kept going, the dog kept running off, so he kept having to go and this and that, like i I like, all right, this is a little long in the tooth. I would have maybe been okay with it if, like he would have inadvertently ended up helping the group that was in the subway car without knowing it. they're like, oh, hey, I'm trying to get this way." but it's blocked by some stones or, or some masonry that had fallen. Let me clear that out. Oh, hey, But and by doing that, the masonry above it has come down and crushed one of the walkers that's in the subway car. Hey, isn't that convenient? Like, I would have been okay with that, but just having him go for the sake of going and not much happening, Yeah,
0: Yeah, there was actually nothing going on with him. And just the fact that they gave him that much screen time, like I say, I understand from the star point of view, because let's face it, that's why everybody tunes in to see what Daryl's doing. Mm-hmm. But we got... A lot of Negan trying to explain himself to Gabriel. He thinks he doth protest too much. Yeah, and Alden and Frost and Duncan. Mm -hmm. Like, it it just, everybody there that's on the car is just trying to figure out, okay, what's going to happen now? And when Negan comes in, and like I say, he covers his tracks because his quote is, she was right behind me.
1: Yeah, it it reminded me very much of like when I was a kid and did something i inevitably wasn't supposed to do as a kid and i was so terrified my parents would find out so i'd start like they'd get closer to start approaching the area of like where the 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 thing happened and i'm like oh wait why don't we go look at this and i like start trying to distract them it, it, it kind of felt like that
0: exactly but i mean this is what we said right now jeffrey dean morgan is the star of the show mm-hmm. i'm sorry like i know i'm gonna catch some heat from this from you know walking dead fans but listen let's be honest he has a whole different degree to this show yeah Daryl is even keel. Nothing against Norman Reedus. I like Norman Reedus. He's going to make a great Johnny Blaze when he comes to the MCU. (laughs) But let's face it. For what this show needs, it needs a spark. And we're finally getting the anti... I don't want to say hero because let's face it, he's not a hero. No. But he's that anti-survivor that this group needs. Because otherwise, this is absolutely just boring. Yeah. Because nobody else in this group is really jumping out that's making this run to go get supplies. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's not. Because as everybody's getting surrounded, you do have a couple people that want to go back for Maggie. And then one pipes up and says, quote, you go up there, you're dead. She'd be pissed if you tried. She just keeps us moving forward. And everybody's kind of arguing a little bit about it. And, I mean, you have Gabriel on there that's trying to be the voice of reason. And basically just kind of talks to everybody like, okay, we got to keep going because I,
1: I wonder what's going on with him just because he's normally so even keel and likes the tries to be the voice of reason and still keeps that like, you know, religious, you know, priestly type of aura about him. And, and, but obviously when he's got to, you know, lace up the bootstraps and kick some ass, he will do that. But it just feels more and more like he's skewing more towards the lace the bootstraps up and kick ass. And, well, if I got to do the priestly thing, I'll do it later type of thing.
0: The one thing that I'm noticing with Gabriel, and Seth Gilliam has definitely made this character worth watching. I know in the beginning, it was just I was waiting for him to get killed off. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that I noticed that jumps out to me is he's now really seen some shit. Yeah. And I think that now it's wearing on him that he's not lost his faith but he knows that this is a different world that he lives in now
1: yeah because i can't remember if it was like a preview or a trailer or or something but i remember hearing him say a line of like he was getting ready to go fight and he's like you know oh they're gonna need god when i'm done with them yeah or something and i'm like
0: yo Well, I think it's just the thing when you start seeing this every day and there's no way out, no matter how much you want to go a different route, you need to fight to survive. And it comes down to you do it or you die. And I think Gabriel is now seen enough Mm -hmm. that it now makes him a very hard person to be. Sure. But you have to be in this world. It's, unfortunately the Walking Dead world is not a nice place. No. no, no matter whenever they have a moment of peace, it's not nice. It's cold. It's dark. It's brooding, and it's just depressing. It's like going to your local Walmart on a Saturday. The shit fucking sucks. No, well, I don't think so. I don't think it's that bad.
1: It, I'm, I'm talking talk in terms of how crazy it is.
0: Oh, okay. I get you. I get you on that point. Uh, but that being said, we do see that the walkers are climbing around the su- the subway cars now and. Everybody is just kind of making their point. Mm-hmm. They make the break at this stage for Daryl and the dog. I don't even want to get into this because I think they wasted about a good half hour yeah. of him just crawling through sewers with a zombie chasing him, so to speak.
1: Yeah, I think the only real interesting thing with this, and I and I picked up on it uh, from watching Talking Dead, and, and they, of course, do that. Like, going into one of the commercial breaks, they little almost like a pop-up video type of thing mm. where, with the little factoids where they started showing the wall and I got a better look at the wall because it was a freeze frame. It was interesting to see the, the mural in the wall of, like what was very clearly Washington, D.C. and just kind of the, cra- the craziness going on with that. And one of the points they brought up with the mural is it illustrated, it was almost kind of like you know cave paintings from ancient history with you know uh, uh, mankind of what they did and what was going on. It was a very, it was a, a display drawing of what was going on while the apocalypse was really ramping up and really starting to go through its throws, and showing that while they should have been focusing on the walkers that were approaching them, they were too busy focusing on each other and killing each other.
0: Yeah, it's just kind of a crazy scenario in that Mm place. Then we get a quick flip in the story, though, to Brave New World. And we know that Yumiko is having a meeting with Princess, and they're kind of talking about the, what they saw on the wall, which is Yumiko th- believes that she found her brother, Yeah, that she, he's now alive. Which, I mean, this does play a factor, too. And like I said, Yumiko is going to be filling in the Michonne role yep. on on the story arc. But like I said, it's a very cool scene between Eleanor Matsoura and Paolo L'Erazo. Mm-hmm. Like, they go back and forth. Like, I like the chemistry between those two because Princess is just so out there. Yeah. And Yumiko is very much straightforward Get to the point, no no bullshit. Yeah, which I think they definitely need a character like that to really step up on this show. Yeah, and they're really
1: starting to illustrate that, especially when um, you know she's in. I guess you could call it like trial mode lawyer mode type of thing Mm -hmm. where she's she's meeting with the commonwealth auditors and she goes quote i was a lawyer i like rules they bring order to the chaos which means you need me i have reason to believe my brother a a thoracic uh, surgeon is living at the commonwealth and is looking for me i'd like expedited processing for my group as per your community's asylum and and immigration policies and i'm sitting there going yo damn
0: yeah no she was definitely on top of that and she assessed Everything like that's the one thing about her is like she is just processing this information (coughs) and she's not revealing all her cards just yet. But she does know that something is up here because the Commonwealth just looks too good to be true. Mm -hmm. And that's just something that we need to remember is not everything is always as nice as it seems. We've also seen nothing but the holding cells.
1: Yes, you know we've just seen the the interrogation rooms. I guess I will call, call them, and then the holding cells that like we've not outside of those two uh, locations, and then the interrogators and then the the soldiers. We ain't seen shit of what it looks like on the inside. So, in theory, like you're sitting there watching this, going, you know, if you're new to the show, you're sitting there watching this scene, going, "Oh, that's probably a bright, shining utopia with all, with all these precautions they're putting in place." When in reality, it could just be a hellhole where like nobody gets any freedom or can do nothing except what the leadership tells them to.
0: Well, that's the one problem they've had with the Walking Dead is every civilization they've gone to has just had that same kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Like, no matter how good "quote unquote" it looks, it's not. And this is something that we're going to see how they shape up the Commonwealth for what they see coming. Because I think they're going to tie into a little bit of something with what Daryl found in the sewers, too. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. Sure. But he did find the $100 bill mm-hmm. that had the message on it. And I think that that might tip into something later. Yeah, beca- that could be. Because it just seemed a little too convenient.
1: Yeah, and I'm, I'm also buying into the theory that the bodies we saw in episode one that had the bags over the heads and then the throat slit were not put there from the start of the apocalypse when they didn't know what to do. Yeah, no. Um, I'm going with that's uh, ramifications or punishment from Commonwealth.
0: I fully agree with you. I think that they're setting that up, too, because, I mean, I think they they have a nice red herring at the end of this show Mm -hmm. that makes you think it's one thing, but it's not. Yeah. We'll get into that in just a sec. But then as we start going through, we get sent back to the subway car where everybody's fighting their way through. And then, lo and behold... Who magically shows up and meets up with the group? Uh, learning uh, uh, Morse code and knocking on the
1: metal beneath the train car and, uh, with the Morse code SOS message. Uh, but they open the the, the group opens the uh, hatch door, which, gotta admit, didn't know there was one of those in that tra- subway train car. Mm-hmm. Uh, but lo and behold, it's Maggie. Yes. Uh-oh, at this point, Negan's shitting his pants, going... Damn it. Yeah. Uh, and then she comes in there. Uh, she whips pistol whips him. Yeah. Uh, and then goes, I slipped. He saw and he left me to die. Uh, so they start going, hey, did you? Is this true? Did you really know this? Is, did, did this really happen? And Negan goes, she was in trouble and I didn't help. There's a big difference uh, to which I thought, is there really? Like, I love you, Negan. You're a great actor. And, and the character is awesome at this point.
0: There's really not a big difference. But is that? But is he wrong? No, he he wasn't wrong. She was in trouble. I just didn't help. I mean, there's a difference.
1: It's a minor difference. It's not a big difference. Hey, uh,
0: tomatoes, tomatoes is still all produce. Just saying. Uh, but he goes on
1: to say she was just talking about murdering me sooner rather than later, and yet somehow I'm the big old asshole because I didn't risk my nuts for her. I have been a golden goddamn asset for every single one of you two.
0: Yes. He's not wrong. Nope. I'm sorry. Like listen, Maggie has been plotting this and you got to take care of yourself in the zombie apocalypse. I have no issue with what he did with Negan. I mean, granted, I or I have no issue with what he did with Maggie because he's he's finding the way, find his way to survive. Oh, now, yeah. Is he an asshole? Yes. yes. Oh, completely. Yes. Oh, certifiable. Yeah, 100% true. But
1: he has helped the group. Yeah. I mean, you know, he talked about walking off in the first episode, and she goes, No, don't. We need you. You know how to get through the, the subway system, and you know your way around here. Yes. So, as much as she hates him, she
0: needs him. Yeah. This is a moment where, you know, Negan's so much of a, a charismatic asshole. You like, you, you, part of you feels like, Yeah, you know, I can see that point. Like I say, I'm not saying what he did that glenn was right because it wasn't but no. you know what they've let him help him so long like he's in a very weird way found his way on the team but mm-hmm. at the same time this is now not the time nor place to be saying okay we're gonna try killing each other we're yeah. surrounded by zombies worry about it when you get back <laughs> to your home base like honest to god the pissing match they have right here yeah is just like okay we don't need to finger point at each other guess what okay you survived great like let's get going on this let's like, deal with this later exactly And as they get broken up a little bit, we do see that a member of the group that walked away at the beginning with all their supplies is now pounding on the door asking for help.
1: Yep, it's one of the two who uh, left them in the first episode uh, with their supplies. Uh, It is one, uh, Gage is the character's name, played by Jackson Pierce, and he's pounding on the door and going, Oh my God, help, help!
0: Yeah, it's one of those situations where he's just like, why are you coming back? And I will give Maggie credit for this. You know what? You left. We don't really need to help you. See, did,
1: did, I got the impression that he was saying they got lost.
0: Well, he was trying to spin it. They got lost oh, in, okay. the t- in in there. But at this point, the uh, Maggie's like, we open that. That's all they get. And basically now she flips the term. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of just like this odd situation between them. Yeah. That, now all of a sudden, when Maggie does something crazy like this, well, wait, wait, wait a second, you know, we just go by the way. But yet again, Negan is the one saying, help him. Yeah. So how crazy is it that they're in this kind of weird flip of the coin between each other? And during this time, I mean, Gabe is screaming for his, his mercy and nobody's moving. Maggie is just saying there's not enough ammo to clear everybody out of here. And you see that. Daryl some...
1: would beg to differ and we'll see that later. Oh,
0: yeah daryl wick you mean yeah. yes we'll see that later but as you see this group is divided and all of a sudden maggie's just like i can't i'm sorry i can't and then gage is screaming liar and then he just decides to take himself out of the equation it's Like he just says fuck the world yeah which i mean at this stage what are you going to do you're trapped on a subway car yeah you, you have a horde of zombies it's maybe the less shitty way to go i don't know yeah it's kind of like pick your poison And yet, I mean, you can't be superhuman like Maggie who survives. And, I mean, like I say, I have the same problem that Glenn did when he fell off the dumpster. This is deja vu. I'm sorry. If you are really surrounded by that many monsters, why are you surviving without a scratch? Mm -hmm. Just say, I understand. Well, it's characters. It's the stars, blah, blah, blah. Still, when you suspend that realism of the story that you have certain characters that are untouchable... It takes away from your story. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry. Like, I'm not saying that Maggie should have got killed off of right here, but this is just a problem I have with the show. That you're not afraid, or you are afraid to kill off those major characters or have those moments. But when you put them in these near-death situations and nothing happens, it's like, come on. Yeah. I mean, this has been my biggest gripe about the most recent seasons. Like, their are characters that are in insurmountable odds, and yet they come out sc- scot-free. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you'll have a freak moment where, like, a walker will brush against somebody and, and scratch him. And, oh, well, they just turned. Yeah. Like, define that for me, please. I need answers. But then, as they say, they're watching him stab himself. And Mag- the kid's getting eaten alive. And he Maggie's ripped just, to pieces. Yeah, he's just kind of sitting there. Ugh. Yeah, it's, it's an absolutely brutal scene. Yeah, but, I
1: was astounded they went as far as they did.
0: Oh, yeah, I am too. I am absolutely too. But this is just one of those moments on the show where you're like you're trying to show that maggie's not the clean cut maggie green that we knew from way back That's when
1: and she's making more enemies than friends
0: yeah exactly because especially later we see zombie-fied
1: gabe show back up yeah he shows up and and uh one of the other group, uh, members of the group who knew him uh, alden i believe is his name says you guys don't want to look at him why why won't you look at him all uh and then gabriel chimes in and goes all that is is a shell of a man who died a coward Alden argues that he was scared and didn't deserve to die like that and to die in the worst way imaginable. Uh, Maggie tries to counter, there are worse ways, a lot worse. Bull fucking shit. I beg to differ on that. Exactly,
0: like she was trying to spin that however she wants to, and I'm sorry, I'm just not buying it. And then you get the the backstory that she tries saying about how it was worse with her and, and Herschel. Please. And that whole nonsense. And like, listen, this, the, we all know the world is tough here. And I understand she was trying to sell her point, but... She is doing the same. She's the other side of the coin from Negan. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, like that's the that's the world they live in now. And she, when she left the camp, yes, she did go through some traumatic experiences because you know what? That's what you happen in the zombie apocalypse. But it's the same thing. Those tough decisions are made. Like we all kind of were frowning on Shane way back when. Yeah, when he was sacrificed. What Otis? Uh, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Way back when he shot him in the leg, when he was falling behind and they knew they were going to be in trouble. Like I'm not encouraging this and I hope it's not coming out like this, but this is kind of the moments that you have in this world that this is crafted like it. So I understand she was trying to sell her point, but it did not come across. Well, I'm sorry. It just did not. But then lo and behold, we have Daryl. He goes back to the story and he fights his way out of the sewer trap where he kicks in a gate mm-hmm. and he catches up with dog who goes and barks and you do see another member of the group of the pair that ran away with the ammo. Yep. Roy, who is trying to ask for Daryl's help.
1: Good Lord. He's looking like
0: shit. Oh, he, I thought he was already dead. Like, what are you doing? I, I thought so too. And then he spoken like, Oh, he's not dead. Yeah. And then he's like, he tells me that, yeah, we lost all the ammo. <laughs> of course I did. Yeah. So how does this pan out? Like, I'm sorry. Like, Ah, I, I digress, but anyway, so Daryl is going to catch up. He gets information. He's and Roy gives him a grenade. Mm-hmm. So that's like everything you guys have on this crazy mission. Your guys are doing is is just not selling me.
1: Yeah, he goes tell my He hands uh, Daryl a grenade and a gun. Says, "Tell my kids I didn't die a coward."
0: Yeah, like it, it's just kind of a situation where it's like. All right, so you've lost all the weapons. You give Daryl just one thing to go fight his way out, and then here we are. Like, I'm sorry, like this scene just did not do anything for me. But then we go back to where everybody's coming on the subway car with more walkers, and you have the team is trying to fight their way out, Mm -hmm. and Gabriel is the he has to go put down Gage with a shotgun blast. Yeah, and then Daryl catches wind of this. So we understand, okay, he's coming in. And then the walkers are literally trying to get on there. But Gabriel is taking everybody out, so he's now becoming an expert marksman suddenly. Which, hey, listen, enough practice with Daryl. I, I give him that. So I was, yeah. I had no complaint about this. But yet again, they're getting surrounded by dozens. Mm-hmm. And I mean dozens of walkers. Like, I want to say there was like 100 walkers. At least
1: there. coming from both directions.
0: Yeah, so like how can you survive this when you have no ammo, and anything else
1: to survive. Well, no, they had ammo, just not a lot of it, and you saw they were being very conservative with their ammo. That like they were they were doing almost like you see in the described in the history t- textbooks with like the American Revolution, where like you had the f- the f- front line would fire, kneel down, the second line would then fire as the front line was reloading. You saw something similar to that where you had the first two or first person f- f- firing off. They ran out of ammo. Next row take care,
0: took care that they ran out. Next person behind that. So, like, they were being very conservative. Oh, absolutely. And then the, the shock moment I guess you want to say about this is Maggie hands Negan a gun. Mm-hmm. So after all that bickering, we're going to work together. Well, I mean, it's that or die. Which I understand. But that's the whole point about this. Like, when we talk about when Maggie was going through and trying to give her a story about what happened. Like, everybody in this world has had it rough. Everybody on here has done some very shifty things. We get this. And it's a weird sense of understanding. Like I said, I'm not encouraging anything that Shane has ever done or Rick has done. But let's face it, in this world of survival, they've had to each, every character on this show that has been noteworthy has gone into a very dark place to survive. Am Mm -hmm. I right or am I right? No, you're 100% right. So that's why I say, like, you can kind of understand what they're going through. And if you're trying to give a sob story of, like, why you've had to do it, you don't have to. Yeah. And this is just point-blank reasoning of how this is explained. Because you have two people that want to kill each other, are now going to work together. And after all that bickering they did, well, here's a gun. Well, I mean, I, I get I get
1: it. I mean, it's it's that or die. Yeah, no, you know? that's, but then, that's the
0: point. And, and she's
1: got her kid to live for
0: and doesn't want to leave the kid parentless. Exactly. But that's why I say, like, you don't have to try selling the sob story about, like, when we went on the road, we seen some stuff. Guess what? Everybody else in this world has. I say Rick had to deal with his mom, his wife dying in childbirth. Exactly, like this world is not Darryl a nice place. Ha- Daryl had to shoot his own brother. Exactly, everybody in this universe has done some shady stuff and seen
1: some real shifty stuff. Morally, it's pretty ambiguous, but compared to our society and and what we live in their morals have shifted.
0: Yeah, exactly. So it just goes back to, we had all that bickering for what? Now we're going to work together. Which, I, like I say, it's, just, it's a weird dynamic with The Walking Dead that you can kind of take some stuff in different perspectives and go, okay, I get it. Mm-hmm. And this is another moment of it. But then we see that Negan is firing his way through the door and we see everybody is at one end of the subway train here and they're taking on zombies. And then lo and behold... Who kicks in the door than Daryl Wick? Mm -hmm. And, uh, folks, I know his name is Daryl Dixon, but, Pad, who did he remind you of in this scene? John Wick. He came in the other end of the subway car and was laying everybody to waste. One shot, to borrow the term from, from Call of Duty, one shot, one kill. Boom,
1: boom, dead, dead. You know, just methodical.
0: Yeah, like this was textbook video game just annihilation. And yet again, that sense of realism that we talked about that, adds, yeah. that really makes it show. It's like the minute you went John Wick, it was like, are you kidding me? Okay. But I'm going with it because you know what? If it, Listen, if there's anybody who can pull that off and I believe it, it's Daryl. Oh, yeah, he pulled it off. Like I said, it's a badass scene. Don't get me wrong. But I was sitting there going like, really? So we just had him go around in a sewer for 30 minutes and now he's going to come in and go John Wick. Okay, I'm here let's go or, or at
1: the or he's john McLean.
0: uh either a if he said ubkayaa i would've been like okay i would mar- <laughs> i would have marked out for that but like i said he goes through everywhere and when he has to t- literally stop everybody from coming in the one end he throws the grenade in the in the door and makes everybody get completely exploding kudos to the walking dead special effects team yikes cuz this scene was absolutely gory as all blazes but it works yeah it works so everybody survives the hundreds of zombies coming after them on the subway train. Mm-hmm. Then their story ends for a little bit. We go back to the Commonwealth, and then we have a moment with Eugene. hmm And he is trying to have a conversation with Mercer. Yeah. <laughs> which, I mean... <sighs> Eugene, what what can you say? But I mean, Josh McDermott has done a lot with this role, mm-hmm. and he plays the sniveling coward to the letter. I can't. Well, they, they've also got him scared shitless. Oh yeah, exactly. But that's but it plays right to his foil. Like I said, I can't be mad about that and what they're doing there. It makes perfect sense. So let it roll. Like mm-hmm. I said, I had no issue with how his character was, and Michael James Shaw plays Mercer, is definitely being that intimidating enforcer too. Yeah. And you can just tell, like, he is sitting there just waiting for a reason to go attack. Yeah. And we see that, obviously, Eugene has to fess up about why they're there at the Commonwealth, that he's trying to meet up with the mysterious Stephanie that he's been talking to over the Internet. And then, lo and behold... Well, you make it sound weird when you say it that way. <laughs> but it is! No, I know. Yeah, I know. But like I said, let's just be honest about it. It's, just, it's kind of a weird thing. But hey, like I said, the zombie world is a weird place. Facts. Facts you know, proceed with caution. But then we see that he's transported because the rest of his team has been taken away. And then, well, he's mysteriously brought back to him. Yep. And then Mercer is just basically talking to him about, well, we're finishing your processing. Yeah. So we're going to let you stay at the Commonwealth. And
1: what, what astounded me was what the whole speech Mercer gave him of just how th- thought out they've done everything. Because a lot of the the... Areas we've run into. There's been rules and then there and there's been like, hey, don't do this, hey, don't do that, but there's never been anything super specific. But they've gone full blown and like wrote in a constitution or something, because it's like pursuant to section 114 a of the new articles of perpetual union. Uh article one, section eight, you know, article fourteen of the legacy UDHR. I'm like, what the fuck?
0: Yeah, no, it's absolutely wild. It's crazy to think about like that they're now set up with a constitution. Like Picture this in the zombie apocalypse, like we have a, a government there. It's yeah. a, it's a weird thing, but then again, what do we say, Pad? It's reasons. reasons. But then we get the quote unquote happy ending, so to speak, is after Eugene is reunited with his traveling partners. He does get to meet the mysterious Stephanie, mm-hmm. who comes in there as, "Which one of you is Eugene?" And it's it's a it's a it's a it's probably the brightest moment of this episode. Yeah, because
1: you figure, oh, it's just somebody because they literally get told when uh, they're going to be escorted uh, escorted through, and they're going to go through orientation, yada yada. So you're like, oh, this is the person bringing them through for orientation. Yeah. And then she goes, "I'm Stephanie."
0: Yeah, it's a crazy scene, but you know it works. So, I, I, like I said, I wasn't too mad about it because Josh McDermott has been playing the sniveling coward for so long, and he, he just plays it to such a T. Yeah. That it, this was a good break from. The Daryl Wick four scene, you know, like I say, it's just a nice break. But then Mm -hmm. we go right back to the subways where everybody is kind of going, all right, what's going on? We have Negan giving the gun back to Maggie, but he's kind of like debating if he should give it back. And everybody's saying, well, you know, what? on our way to Meridian, we're going to take a detour because you know what? That always works. Oh, yeah. And then people are just kind of thinking, well, you know, there's some hidden supplies, so if we ever need anything, we can do this. And Maggie's talking about some old friend that she has that she has basically said, yeah, you know, I know where we can get some more weapons and ammo and food. Mm -hmm. At this point, Pat, did you do what I did and go, really, if you knew about this the entire time, why were you trying to go this route? Yeah. Like, I legit thought this. Sauce. I'm going, you were literally trying to get everybody killed. I am fully convinced of this, Maggie. Maggie is sus. Yeah. And. Motor out. Yep. And Negan knows the way here, too. So, like I said, this was a little more suspect than I like. Because he knows
1: where they're going, because we need you for navigation.
0: Yeah. So, at this stage, we see they're going down a dark road because this always works. And then Negan is kind of talking about like, okay, well, this looks a little crazy because we're seeing bodies strung up by their ankles yeah. and hanging.
1: Yeah, he says, uh, "Well, this place sure has gone to shit since the last time I was here." He then goes, "Yeah, let's double back and cut through."
0: And then, bam! A bolt takes out Roy, one of the group takes members. Takes out his hand. Or yeah, or straight. Well, at first I thought I caught him in the face, and the oh, other one no, yeah, caught, yeah, yeah. caught him in the- Takes out a hand. So they are getting absolutely bombarded. Yeah, no, yeah, you're right. Roy gets caught in the
1: face. But then somebody else just full-on loses a fucking hand. Yeah. Like, you see the, like, hands there, hands gone, and gut is uh, gushing out. And I'm like, yo, what the fuck? Yeah, because this is some
0: serious weaponry coming at them. This is
1: is like a military unit coming in, surgical precision.
0: Yeah, this is absolutely crazy. And then all of a sudden down the road, we see the Reapers, who are going to be another group that is going to be looking for some blood. This episode, Pat. I mean, final thoughts on this.
1: Uh, wasn't much in terms of action, but definitely still built. You know, it kind of continued the, the vein of the first episode. Of course, it is part two, so uh, so it's building for the rest of the season. And it introduced some very interesting things that I'm excited to see, especially the Reapers.
0: Yo, the Reapers were freaking nuts for coming in for all three minutes at the end of the episode. And like I said, that was the red herring because of who the dead bodies are. Because you want to presume it's the Reapers. I would think it is because they already just came in and they were killing everybody in sight, basically. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how Daryl and company are going to get out of this, but I think he's going to morph into Daryl Wick and find his way out using, I don't know, rocks at this point. This is kind of just a scenario where the the episode itself was, was okay. Yeah. I mean, once you got to Negan versus Maggie, that's where the dynamic was. And then you see how this relationship plays out where it shouldn't, but then again, I, it harkens back to everybody in this place is a pretty great character. They're not good or bad, but now everybody's kind of morphed into this gray moral area where no matter how much you want to try explaining that this is why I do what they do, you understand as messed up as it is their motives and everybody's just trying to survive. And for Negan, he knows that he's on the chopping block with Maggie. He's got to watch his back 24-7. For Maggie, there's ulterior motives that she's doing left and right here. I'm not saying that she's a member of the Reapers, but I wouldn't say she isn't. I wouldn't say that there isn't more to her about the Commonwealth. Because, uh, like I say, you can take the comic books out of the equation right now for the most part because the show is straight away from them for here and there. But there's just more to her character that's going on. And then the fact that we had Daryl just crawling around a sewer for about thirty minutes, and then comes on that train and is literally going cheat code, Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, it was a lot. But then again, this is kind of how the show is, you know, transitioned to. Which yeah, I got like,
1: to rewatch the episode. I I think I might have seen him go up, up, down, down, left, right, ba.
0: Oh, facts! I fully think he did the contra code because he just got on that train and was taking out everybody with very little ammo. And that's been the whole moral of this, that your ammo was stolen. You don't know where your bag is. But yet we know where some more is. Well, like, who is doing your strategy here? That's my question. But this was pretty solid. And like I said, you had the heartwarming moment with Eugene. And that's that's going to be about as nice as this zombie apocalypse gets, per se. But there's a lot of storylines that are going to be had going into the final season here. And next week's episode should be a little bit crazy. Yeah, I'd say so. But definitely hit us up on that hashtag. Hashtag ODPHPod. What is your thoughts about episode two of this season of The Walking Dead? Season 11, we are here. Archeon, part two. Let us know what your thoughts We definitely want to have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
1: This is Wine, Dine, and Storytime. I'm Nidia. I'm Dana. I'm Cindy. And we're your hosts. Have you ruined a family gathering by asking what wine pairs well with eating a husband? Are you the CEO of TMI? Have you ever been kicked under the table because you brought up your favorite dinner topic, atrocities throughout history? Then this podcast is perfect for you. Each week, Dana and I share stories based on topics that include true crime, historical shenanigans, unexplained mysteries, and all things fascinating while our amateur chef, Cindy, prepares themed dinners and pairs wines based on those topics. Find us, the Wine, Dine, and Storytime podcast, wherever you listen to
0: podcasts, and give us a follow. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and it is time to talk the latest episode of Disney Plus's smash hit, Marvel's What If. Mm -hmm. Now, this series has definitely hit the ground running. They've had some solid episodes, and the concept is very simple. Mm -hmm. What if... One of your favorite stories in the Marvel Cinematic Universe was flipped and done differently. Or as they portrayed at the beginning of the episode, what if like three words in a sentence were changed? Yes. It's a very cool concept that they've done throughout the years of Marvel. Like I say, if you really want to go deep dive in, check it out at your local comic shops or Marvel Unlimited, however you read your Marvel comics. It's definitely a great read if you want to do something different. And I always preach about that as well. So that being said, we are going to start talking about episode four entitled What If... Doctor Strange lost his heart instead of his hands. So, if you haven't seen the episode by now, we'd say pause and jump in when you catch up because we don't want to spoil anything for you without warning because we do give you that warning because after the countdown, we get into it. So, that all being said, in three, two, one, pad, what did you think?
1: Uh, I thought it was an okay episode. wasn't as good as the last one. Uh, I gotta give kudos to the Marvel social media crew for uh, pulling a fast one on me because they posted a poster for it uh, yesterday, I believe, the day before the episode came out and it was uh, you know, doctor Strange as we inevitably see him in the episode book and all sorts of evil, like I compared him to Jafar from the animated Aladdin movie. Mm. You know, and, and with the title of the episode, what if Dr. Strange lost his heart instead of his hands? And I got to give kudos to the, the crew and, and for the writers for titling the episode this. I took it literally. I took it like, oh, he's going to lose his heart instead of his hands and then shenanigans are going to ensue. I didn't take it the way they ended up taking it in the episode. But uh, overall, I thought the episode was okay. Left me a little depressed, if I'm going to be honest. You know, a little down, a little, that's that's kind of a sad ending. But good overall.
0: It definitely was a sadder ending than we have seen thus far. I mean, everything in the MCU cannot be all roses. True. And this one plays right into the story of What If itself, because they take the probability of different stories and let the creators run wild with it. And yes, the good guys don't always win as we see here. Mm-hmm. Because as this kicks off, we do see the beginning of Doctor Strange w- 1, the movie, because mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be weird saying Doctor Strange 2, 3, 4, as many that would be going on. But we do see Stephen Strange is on his way to accept his award, picking up his love of his life. Mm-hmm. and they get on the highway scene and then they have the big crashes we've seen in the movie.
1: Well, and this is even different from the movie though because in the movie she's not there. Right. He's but in this version she's there.
0: Yeah, cuz he's talking to her on the phone. Yeah. In the movie but she's now obviously in the car with him
1: well she was talking to him at first in the in the car ride but then what in, in the movie what inevitably killed the car ride was he got a call from like somebody at the hospital that was like hey we've got a you know we've got a, a plethora of cases for you to take up which one do you want and he the person on the other line is explaining to him what's going on and what each person needs and he's like no 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 And he's looking through the x-rays and scans and shit on the dash of his car. Mm -hmm. And that's what causes the wreck. But, yeah, no, you're right.
0: Yeah, but it it all goes to the same point where Christine Palmer is killed. So one thing very cool that What If does is they bring back majority of the actual actors from the MCU to voice their roles. We did see Benedict Cumberbatch come back as Stephen Strange for this. Mm -hmm. Rachel McAdams came back as Christine Palmer. And we do see the ramifications of what happens after this because as— we see Dr. Strange start going through his training of his sorcery and having the meeting with the Ancient One, who is voiced again by Tilda Swinson. Uh, this is where things go very differently because she is warning him that you can't go mess around with an absolute moment in time, that you have to let this go. There's nothing you can do to bring Christine back. Yeah. And as he's trying to go through this, He basically has like a weird groundhog day moment or inception. Like he's just reliving the moment and he's trying to change it no matter what. And everything he does, it's failing. Christine dies in every scenario. And it's kind of just this weird back and forth. But then again, we're talking Doctor Strange. If you're not saying weird with Doctor Strange, you're not really in a Doctor Strange story. Just saying. But as we see, he's still going through this. And then he's more committed about... Getting more information Mm -hmm. and more strength to pull this off. And the ancient one and Wong are both telling him, leave this alone. Yeah. So, I mean, two years after she's gone, he's still obsessed with this idea that he can bring her back and rewind time. And everybody's saying, you can't, it's an absolute point. Yeah. So then he decides to dip into somewhere where he shouldn't. Yeah, almost like dark magic. Yes, because we started dancing around the dark dimension, home of Dormammu, and the Ancient One is comes up with this idea, which I have to say, in the normal MCU, never would work. No. But this is the beauty of what if she decides to split the timeline of Doctor Strange, so there's two versions. Mm -hmm. And this is a wild concept, but yet again this is where what if really excels. This is like what if the
1: Flash TV show went like really off the rails.
0: Yeah, and this is where you have one Doctor Strange that is still obsessed with bringing Christine Palmer back and the other one that said okay, I'm alright with this. And he's accepted this, Mm -hmm. like I say. And when the Ancient One divides the timeline into two like it's a crazy concept I don't even think that she understands what she's doing
1: no I don't think so because I I think this is just something that for them and their branch of like the mystical arts is so off limits that like Most people take it and go, okay, shouldn't go near it. might have a passing fancy, but really nothing to worry about. But this is the first time I think they're having to deal, or at least the first time anyone living with their order is having to deal with this, and they just don't know what to
0: do. Exactly. And this evil version of Doctor Strange, which... On the show, they referred to him as Strange Supreme. Uh huh. That was kind of a wild idea. I kind
1: of want that as a Funko Pop. I'm not gonna lie.
0: Oh, you're gonna see it. I guarantee. I it. hope so. I guarantee you're gonna see because I think that as they've started
1: announcing some of the other other previous episodes, and I'm announcing those Funko Pop. Like I, I want to say I saw one for uh, Captain Carter. I I I want one of Strange Supreme.
0: Yeah. So at this point, Strange Supreme is trying his damnedest to get more power. And dabbling in the arts that he shouldn't. He's literally absorbing magic into himself. And he's morphing into something that he should not. Meanwhile, the Doctor Strange that has accepted everything and he's become good with the unfortunate tragedy that's happened is now brought back into this because the Ancient One said, okay, I made a mistake. You're going to have to fight yourself. And the world is on yeah. the line. Yeah. which
1: and And then we're dealing with the old time travel trope of like, you know, and I always think back of like Harry Potter where like they're like, you know, they go back in time and they're like, hey, and it's only a couple hours. But they're like, hey, your your current self can't interact with your past self. Well, why not? We can warn them about it. And, and it's what you would think with time. Oh, why not? We can warn about the X, Y, and Z. And they go, think about it. What would you do if you were sitting in a room and you and you saw yourself walking in the room? And and Harry in the books goes, well, I, f- I figure I was mad. And they go, yeah, people have done it and gone mad and ended up killing themselves and taking themselves out of time.
0: Mm-hmm. And then lo and behold, after they have a battle, Strange Supreme absorbs Doctor Strange mm-hmm. and morphs into something straight out of the Gargoyles comic yeah, or a cartoon show. yeah. Like, he just turns oh into a, a creature that is indescribable. But after absorbing all this power, oh, he finds a way to resurrect... Christine Palmer.
1: And and this ain't over the course of like an hour or two. It From what I remember them saying, it went over on the cor- on for a, a
0: while. Yeah. This, I almost want to say like time became such irrelevant at this. Yeah. That it, you saw it speeding forward so much. Yeah. I'm going to say this was
1: years. I, I'm going to say decades, if not centuries, just because there was a shot of like a desert or something that like you could see the passage of time to so much to the fact that like new mountains had started to rise. In some of those shots, like, that's how long this was going
0: on. Yeah, that he just absorbed all the magic in the world, and he tore apart reality where you saw a normal setting. People are starting to disintegrate, almost like the Thanos snap. Mm -hmm. Almost, but you see the dark magic just resonating off them. And the one thing that if you're not familiar with Watu the Watcher, Mm -hmm. if he shows up... It ain't good. It's not good. No. Like, he should never show up in a comic, otherwise... It is a cataclysmic event and bad things are going to happen. Think of it if, you know, your parents
1: or even your grandparents, you know, if you ever remember a time, especially I think of my grandmother, you know, my grandmother, sweethearted woman, you know, God bless her heart, you know, nicest person you can meet. But on those rare occasions that she comes in and she says my full name,
0: I'm like, oh, shit, I'm in trouble. Exactly. Watu does this. And when he shows up, everybody knows, like, oh, it's at that level.
1: Well, and, and there, and we've seen him in the background of these episodes. There's always at least one or two shots where it's, like, just a scenery. It's an establishing shot for whatever the scene's going to be or where it's taking place. And if you look in the sky, if you haven't noticed, go back and watch the previous episodes. Mm-hmm. There's at least one or two shots in every episode after the intro where we see his outline and his figure in the sky. Yeah. And we see him in this one. But what happens?
0: But see, here's the difference, though. He shows up in those episodes, but he's in the distance. Uh, and it's in the beginning. That's true. It's not during the middle of the episode. He shows up in the middle of this episode, and Strange realizes he's there. See,
1: I feel like there's instances though where he is in the middle of the episode, like there. It's inevitably like a night sky or something. Like you see him, and he's there. Well, he
0: might be, but it's it's to the degree like he's just watching. No, oh, yeah, that's what I mean for recording. Yeah, but it's not like he's involved because anytime you hear him speak too. That's the tip off something. Yeah. But like I said, when he shows up, it's a bad moment. And during those other episodes, yeah, I think like I've usually seen him in the beginning. I haven't seen him too much in the middle. I think he was in the middle for the um, T'Challa episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Guardians one. I think that he was there for that. But for this one, though, Strange does remember him. And goes, wait, I, what are you doing here? And, mm, and He knows who he is. And Yeah, and is like, I am just here to watch. I am not here to intervene.
1: Yeah, like Strange doesn't full-on say he knows who he is, but if you just pay attention to what Strange says, Strange knows who he is.
0: Oh, he absolutely does. Because he goes so far as to call him, you're a god, you can fix this. Yeah, because at this point, he brought back, it's Christine Palmer, he brought mm-hmm. back his heart, Yeah, but his heart is now... Tearing apart every single fabric of their world and timeline.
1: It's the same thing, and some people may cringe at me saying this, it's the same thing that happened to Anakin in Revenge of the Sith, mm-hmm. that he saw the few Anakin saw the future of what was going to happen and his wife dying in childbirth, and he fought like hell to prevent it. And inevitably he caused her death. A little different, but still, Strange saw the death of the love of his life. Did everything he could to prevent it and ended up causing it
0: yeah it's an absolutely crazy scene but yeah there are parallels right here to it and then strange realizes okay that after he's she's dying yeah he's begging for help because he's literally absorbed every single magic element he can in this world's timeline mm-hmm. like you have to just think about this no matter how much that we saw on screen he was absorbing yeah and just became this hulk-like figure not bruce banner hulk but just as overpowering monster. monster and then when christine realizes him she says like what have you done yeah like, you you should not have done this you don't and she's like looking at a completely different person again parallels to star wars padme i don't even know you anymore exactly and then as she dies everything that strange did to bring her back unravels yeah it pulled apart the universe yeah so the universe collapses onto itself so and he and Strange is screaming at Iwatu to help, and he said, No, you did this. Yeah. I just watch.
1: So Strange is there in his grief, in
0: the oblivion. Yeah. Forever. What a way to end an episode. Heavy episode. It definitely was. But like I say, this goes into those moments where they really push the envelope about telling a different story. Yeah. This was a dark episode. Oh, absolutely. This was not a friendly one. This was not something that you you felt very happy after watching. No. But it was a good episode. Like It was solid in the sense that they did something different. Mm-hmm. And like I say, to see Watu show up is a big deal. And granted, He's shown up in the other ones, too. Like I said, I think the only time he popped in that middle one was the T'Challa Guardians mm-hmm. episode. I can't remember if he popped in in the middle of the Avengers one, but... He was at the beginning of each one because that's how he usually starts the narrative. Oh, yeah.
1: I, I just, for some reason, want to say there's at least one scene where, like, he's he's not there to say anything, but just it's like an Easter Oh, hey, there he is, just watching. Yeah. You know, and, it, and it's almost blended in with the background in the sky.
0: Yeah. Like I say, he usually blends in pretty well. Like they do try putting him in for a cameo, but like I say for him to make a multiple appearance, and especially for this stage too, for Doctor Strange to, to, to notice him, Yeah. that's a big deal. Because he usually stays up.
1: And I think at that point, Strange was just so powerful that not even the Infinity Stones could have stopped him. Yeah, exactly. That, that, like, Thanos could have shown up with all five Infinity Stones and tried everything, obviously minus the Time Stone, because he had that. You know, but all, all four Infinity Stones, and it wouldn't have
0: worked. Yeah. There was nothing they could have done. But yet again... Another solid episode. Pat, what's your final thoughts on this?
1: Uh, like I said, heavy episode, a bit of a dark episode, but I, I kind of figured it, it's some whenever they did the Doctor Strange episode, it would be a little heavy, it would be a little weird, a little dark, because when you look at the comics and the character, that's who it is. It's, it's weird, and it's dark sometimes. Uh, but I enjoyed it still.
0: Yeah, it was still a good episode. Like I say, I like it when the MCU does something different, whether it's animation, whether it's live action. Give me something different that I haven't seen before. And this one, like I say, was a dark, depressing story. It did not have a happy ending. I actually like that about this. I'm not, uh, I'm not a downer person, folks, but I do like to see something different than what we've seen because no matter what we've seen thus far, there's almost been a happy ending in each episode. I mean, Captain Carter reemerges with Nick Fury at the end of episode one. T'Challa reunites with his family after all those years of being with Yandu and the Guardians in space. You see that they have some hope of rebon- rebounding from Loki taking over the world when Carol Danvers shows up and finds Steve Rogers. Those are the happy moments that you can kind of build off of, that, okay, this world is actually going to be okay. This one, you saw a world end. Mm-hmm. And for Doctor Strange, it plays right into the storytelling that you just read in the comics. Yeah. But this was just such a depressing episode. It works, though. Yeah. It works on all fronts. So... I definitely say go check it out. But if you're looking for that happy comic book ending, this ain't it. You're not going to find it here. No. But that's what I like about the series, because if you've ever read the comic, what if does not always end happy? No. But that's a great thing about the story. It's it's questioning what you already know from the MCU. Currently on Disney+, Plus, definitely go check it out. And then after, hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What was your thoughts about episode four of what if? Doctor Strange lost his heart instead of his hands. We want to have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You know what that sound means? It's another episode of Game for a Movie, where we ask, "Are you game for a movie?" Tell me, it. There's no special features on that goddamn
2: DVD. All right. Oh, wow. For it's, Hansel <laughs> and Gretel? Hansel and Gretel you have the was, DVD. Of yeah. And Gretel. She
1: basically has sex with it somehow. Uh, it, Foreplay. Yeah. Yes. She's, for, she's chair foreplay. They, I mean, they knocked it out of the park, which is why it's my number three. Oh! oh! <laughs> yes. I mean, I wouldn't be in it because this
2: movie doesn't have women. But, you know. It right. It has one?
0: You would it have three one. lines of dialogue. No, she
1: how has three. Oh. Okay. So I'm actually going to get, like, I actually get, like, I earn my, my, my four sentences of dialogue, rather than, like, here, I have a paycheck, you just stood there on the screen.
2: You're a sexy lamp. <gasps> oh, anyway, we're not Phoenix, too. So, No. No. Because they really hate each other, so we get to enjoy some wonderful comedic scenes of them hating each other so much that they get into physical altercations that include her biting detective, ex-detective Phillips' dick.
0: Okay. But we don't okay. I, I know all of those words were English, but the way you <laughs> constructed yeah, them, right, I'm right. lost.
1: Right. No, I'm not finding the arrangements on them very well. For those who haven't rated us or uh, liked or given us a review, don't say that we haven't given you anything of value after listening to this podcast. You now know the difference between an
0: R-rated dick and an NC-17 X-rated dick. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening to Game for a Movie where we ask, are you game for a movie? We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And it is time to talk a new Marvel movie at the theaters. Oh, that feels so good saying. Yeah, it does. So this week is going to be the theatrical release of... Shang-Chi, and The Legend of the Ten Rings.
1: Yeah, doing very well, uh, according to the Rotten Tomatoes. uh, With 147 reviews in, it has a tomato meter of 91%. And I saw just a little bit ago, it is currently tracking for a $90 million opening weekend domestically.
0: Yes, so you can't go wrong with that. Super excited to see what is going on here. Simu Liu mm-hmm. is playing the title role of Shang-Chi, the master of Kung Fu. Now, if you're not familiar with who he is in the comics, he is the d- most dangerous martial artist in all of the MCU, the Marvel mm-hmm. comic universe. Mm-hmm. I want to stress that. But for as the cinematic universe, we're going to get that unveiled. He can definitely take it to anybody on a fistfight one-on-one. I know that he's gone through some different incarnations throughout the comics. If you really want to check out some really cool podcasts that can go deep diving in, into the comic background, obviously the Deadly Podcast of Kung Fu. Shout out to JVD from Villains Demand the Man. And Hops Geeks definitely had a great breakdown of his character as well as the Mandarin too. Because that is going to be the title villain mm-hmm. for this. Where we see the Mandarin finally make his triumphant debut. And I say triumphant debut because let's face it, the last time we saw him in the MCU, it was not him, was it not?
1: No, uh, it would be the... Char- we're referring to the character that uh, took the role uh, in Iron Man 3 and simply used it for nefarious purposes, but was not actually the Mandarin.
0: Yes. Ben Kingsley playing that character. It was also in the movie. Yes, which is going to be very interesting because we knew, do know that there is a one shot that is out on Disney Plus now. It mm-hmm. was a bonus scene that kind of explains uh, that scenario because... If you're not familiar with the Mandarin, the Mandarin has been a longtime Iron Man villain. say was the primary villain I remember from the animated cartoon. Yes. And he is a, a character that has magical rings yep. that has been his way of defining his role and obviously trying to really be a thorn in a lot of people's sides. I mean, obviously, Mandarin debuted in Tales to Suspense in number 50 in February of 1964 mm-hmm. and has always been a consistent threat throughout a history. Like I said he has magical rings that each one has a different power to them. So we're gonna see that on the big screen. However, it's gonna be a little different because yeah. we've seen and obviously in the promo videos that he is not wearing the rings on his fingers. He's wearing them on his uh arm and forearms.
1: Yeah. Which I guess is an aesthetic choice. They decided to go to go with, I, I know I saw an article or something that one of the producers or somebody said, there's a very specific reason for that, but I was like, I don't want to find out now. I'll wait till the movie.
0: Yeah. Which I'm okay with. I, I don't really have an issue with it now. Like oh no, Yeah. B- before I was kind of like, okay, how are they going to do this? And I think they'll explain it as they go into the film. So like I say, I'm with you on that. Yeah, I I don't need a lot, but I just kind of need to know just a rough idea what his powers are. Well, and
1: plus nowadays, I think, like, for the cartoon in the 90s, it made sense. You know, okay, with cartoons, a little different, a little odd. It would just look weird, I think, nowadays for a dude to... Because I remember the cartoon, they looked almost like the Iron... are Not the Iron Man, the uh, Green Lantern rings mm-hmm. in the cartoon. It, it looked weird. So if we went with that same look, it looked weird for a movie in 2021 for a dude to be walking around on the big screen with ten rings on his finger.
0: It, yeah, it is. But, you know, however Marvel wants to do this, and like I said, I could definitely see the toy factor playing in a role yeah. with this. Yeah. As long as it's portraying the character right, I'm okay with it. And like I say, the Mandarin is a very feared character in the MCU, he definitely is not a fan of Iron Man by any means. No. But when you have some rings that can do like electro's blast, you can do one that is like a disintegrator of matter. Okay. There's something that he can also do is like that does like mini tornadoes. Like it's he has like a lot of different powers with it. It's just like trying to explain them all is just really crazy because it's a really unique concept that he's doing. And with the powers, like I say, this is how he has been able to stand up to Iron Man and definitely mm-hmm. not you know, break his will. And he has just got such a driven force that he has a way that he sees the world. And that's how he wants to do it. And this is, we're going to come on the screen. Like I said, Tony Tony Leung playing the title role of manager. And I'm all, I'm all yeah. I they not. I think he's absolutely going to rock on this. And then we see that Shang-Chi who has not really been the strongest one in the comics. I mean, he's debuted in 1973 Marvel mm-hmm. special edition, number 15. And he's kind of gone through a different kind of renaissance throughout the years. Like, you've seen him with the Marvel Knights banner. I know most recently he's been appearing in Secret Avengers. And this was really kind of puzzling when they announced that he was going to be in a movie because I don't really remember a time where, like, he had a long comic run that was like, yo, I need to see this on screen. But he's always been a factor in no matter where you plugged him in the MCU. And as a fan of action movies... I'm excited to see Marvel really do one to bring a karate kung fu style to the big screen.
1: Yeah, and it definitely makes sense for them to bring it in because Marvel could just as easily, you know, replace the 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 folks they lost on the Avengers team with just people who have the same type of powers and the same skill sets in this net because the formulas worked. Hello, look at the box office numbers. But they're not doing that. They're taking a different spin of things. They're introducing some different flavor to it, some different looks. They're they're keeping it fresh.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I'm completely cool with them doing this because they've earned the track record that they can do this. Because, let's face it, whoever thought we'd live in a day and an age where Ant-Man and the Guardians of the Galaxy Mm -hmm. are household names and big movie franchises? Uh Uh-huh. I know it's a wild concept. But here we are. So Marvel has done no wrong per se. Obviously, they've had a couple misfires within humans and Iron Fist, but we yeah. can go into that for another show. But for this one, I think there's a lot of win to be had. And we've seen with the cast that they have lined up for this. Aquafina is going to be playing Katie, who is going to be a friend of Shang-Chi and not really knowing about his past. They have said about Shang-Chi is just basically running from his past and his father, mm-hmm. who is the Mandarin and trying to escape his own destiny, which I think they're going to play a really cool role in there. We also have Florin Montenu, mm-hmm. who, if you know from Creed 2, is a certified badass, and he's going to be playing Razor Fist, who's going to be basically the, the enforcer for the Mandarin. All right. And we're going to see a couple cameos, too, that we've seen from the trailers. Yep. That, frankly, this just sells me on it alone. Why, oh, why, Pad, do we have the Abomination who has been uh, reprising the role, is Tim Roth. hmm And Benedict Wong, who is reprising his role as playing Wong, the assistant of Doctor Strange, fighting in a cage.
1: Well, I mean abomination why the hell not at this point Universal's clearly not going to do anything with the, with the property mm-hmm. so they might as well do something with it uh and as for Wong, i mean listen i think we've all at this point seen the meme going around on facebook and twitter and reddit and all that where it's the it's the community meme where donald glover leaves to get the pizzas comes back and and they been the entire room's on fire yeah and and they put Wong is Donald Glover's character. And then, like, you see one character is Loki, another one's Sylvie, another one's Wanda, another one's Strange. Wong clearly has to leave so shit can go even further sideways.
0: Yeah. Like, listen, I just, the fact that I saw the cage fight in the last trailer, I'm like, I'm sold. That's all I need. I am a very simple person about that because that is just absolutely batshit crazy to me that we're seeing this. But I think for Shang-Chi, they definitely are going to have a different style and vibe to it. And I say, if we can have a real kung fu film from Marvel on the big screen and I want big action from this, it's a win. I think that there's a lot they can go with. And mark my words, whenever they decide to do the next Avengers film or if they want to call them by a different name. Mm Mm-hmm. Shang-Chi is going to be on the lineup. Well, and
1: and they're definitely planning for that. I know Feige said something that I felt like they're already planning the next Avengers movie. But I I think the other thing that was also said was like the next couple of movies are going to have Avenger-level events in each movie. And you look at what's going on. Obviously, with this one, we're not quite sure what that's going to be. But I'm sure Mm -hmm. we'll we'll find out by the time the credits roll. You look at what's happening with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and all the batshit insanity that's going to happen with that one Mm -hmm. you look at you know what the trailer for spider-man no way home and just like it feels like just not your average movie that like it's not just the next iteration in their story the next iteration in the phase that like this is some big stuff that uh, that it almost feels like an annual comic issue
0: yeah which i mean that's a perfect way to describe it pad because the next phase of the mcu is going to be different than what we've seen previously i think everyone is going to have that quote-unquote big fight feel for the most part. And with Shang-Chi, this is going to be an introduction movie because for the pop culture audience, he this is a brand-new character that nobody knows a lot about. Mm-hmm. For anybody that's read Marvel Comics, we all know him, but he's never been in a lead role to this level. Like, Sure, he's had a couple series here and there, but not enough that you're saying, okay, this is a household name, that this is a franchise guy. But then again, Marvel, like we said, has had success in bringing Daredevil to the small screen, mm-hmm. who could make that jump to the big screen? Yeah. We're ignoring the Affleck film. We're just talking about Charlie Cox here. We have seen them bring Jessica Jones to the small screen. We have seen Iron Fist have an incarnation there. Mm-hmm. Obviously, mixed reviews on that one. Luke Cage, same difference. So to take a hero on that kind of level that is not a superpowered, unstoppable force... is not a literal god. Right. And bring this story to the big screen, it's a huge win. But it's a lot of fun to see the outside reaction in because there isn't a lot to go off of from the comic storylines. Yeah, There's not one that, like we talk about with Hawkeye coming out, and it's going right. to be the Matt Fraction story, which is right. arguably the best Hawkeye story you're ever going to read, arguably. You don't have that with Shang-Chi because there's nothing really that jumps out that goes, man, did you pick up this issue? And it's not a slight to the creators that have worked with them over the years, but it's just a fact that the character has always been a side character, but now it's finally getting a big push. And now we're going to see what he's really going to do on the big screen. And I think that after this, Oh, he's going to be a household name. I think without question, I think that you're going to have a lot of stories of him going on the MCU. And I definitely think that this is going to be a film that we're going to be talking about for years to come. I'm really excited. This has probably been my most excited. I've been for an MCU film even more so than Spider-Man no way home.
1: Oh yeah. No, this one's going to be great. You know, it's a, like I said, it's a fresh look. It's a fresh take at the Marvel film. Marvel film method, I guess you could say. And it's, and it's a character I'm not entirely familiar with, so I'm, I'm excited to get familiar.
0: Yeah, like I say, he's always been the proverbial badass. Like, no matter who he's fighting against, he will win because he is that deadly of a master of kung fu, like his title goes, that nobody in the MCU can beat him in a fistfight. Nobody can. And I know they've kind of dabbled a little bit in the recent history about giving him powers or something in that variation, but listen... It's not going to really matter too much because I think the power was uh, he can make copies of himself, okay. like like uh, multiple man from next. Oh One. yeah, yeah. But still, at that point, still you don't want to be fighting ten of them. No, like I'm sorry, he can go in there if he can go beat Iron Fist in a proverbial fist fight with ease. And I know people say, well, it can be a standstill. No, I'm sorry, he can't. He's the master of kung fu for a reason. And if all he has to do is just go literally fight, it's a, it's a game over. And I think we're going to see a lot of that in this film, and that's what they need to do. You have to establish the tone of this film very much that this has a different vibe, a different feel to it. This doesn't look cookie cutter to the rest of the MCU. That's what I'm excited about. Oh yeah. And like I say, I'm more excited about this film than Eternals. I'm going to be honest about that one. Eternals I think is going to be the big question mark for the MCU's success rate. And it's like I say, it's not a slight to the creators that have done them, but it's just one of those factors that I don't know how that's going to connect to an audience. But if you see just a street fighter, Going through for two hours and absolutely kicking ass and taking names. Mm-hmm. There's a certain audience is going to connect to that because as an action fan, that is, I am that audience. That's what I want to see with this, and just to see what Easter eggs are going to plant for the next phase of the MCU. Like I say, I'm not doubting, but yeah. I'll, throw, I'll, I'll throw. Obviously, we got to throw a crazy takeout. I'm not doubting we see Nick Fury here. Could be. I think that we're going to see maybe the bonus scene is going to be an offer to join either Shield, or. The next team that happens in the MCU, maybe we'll get a Julie Louis Dreyfus. Maybe the, maybe it's a recruit for the Dark Avengers. I don't know exactly know how they would play that off, um, unless he would be, uh, I don't know who he'd be, he'd be like filling in that role for, because uh, obviously the Dark Avengers are parodies of the yeah. regular Avengers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to think who he he'd be that person. I mean, for. it could it could also be some scene from No Way Home. It could be as well, too. I mean, they have a lot of area they can go with, but this film is definitely going to connect to some of the MCU in a way or fashion that we're not familiar with. Like I say, this could be something alluding to, I would say, not Fantastic Four, but I could definitely see another franchise maybe get a small introduction. Like I said, the safest bet would say Thunderbolts or Dark Avengers, but I could also see Nick Fury saying we're going to recruit him to S.H.I.E.L.D. and then maybe we'll see possibly Secret Invasion. I mean, you, there's possibilities you can go with, but that's the fun thing about this. With a character that's relatively unknown, the pages are endless. Whatever direction they want to go with, it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to go watch this. And we've seen the trailer. I'm very impressed with what we've seen thus far. Yeah. So, Pat, I guess final thoughts on the preview of Shang-Chi.
1: I'm excited for the new look. I'm excited for like a new take on a Marvel film, and I'm excited for, the, obviously,
0: the bonus scenes. I cannot wait to see it. I'm here for this. This has been circled on my calendar for a while. We got a big group we're going with to the theaters to go check it out. And I'm telling you what, this is going to deliver. I have full faith in this movie. Why? Because the cast, I'm completely in love with the cast here because I think everybody here is going to bring strong work to the show. I'm excited to see a kung fu film by Marvel. And I want to see what they go here. Because I don't think it's going to be tame, but I don't think it's going to be like anything super crazy. Like, we're not right. talking expendables here. Right. But I think you're going to see a lot of great action. I think you're going to have a really good story behind it because, I mean, they're uh, switching up Shang-Chi's origin a little bit, but I'm okay with it. And plus, we get the real Mandarin. And I'm sorry, as much as I'm a big fan of Ben Kingsley, that was not the Mandarin I liked. No, and I know that was a big complaint from a lot of people. Well, exactly, because the Mandarin is such a badass in the comics that the fact that they did that like how they did in the short Hail to the King yeah. well, I mean, that's where they resolve everything, I should say, because Iron Man 3 is where we saw the quote unquote Mandarin. Mm-hmm. To really give this character this proper respect and show how much of a badass he can be is going to be anybody's guess. And I'm just, I'm here for it because I am a big Mandarin fan. I like to see what they can do in the MCU with him. And then. We, I, I will say probably the safest bet is by the time it's all said and done, he will be wearing the rings. Oh, well, more than likely. It won't be on the forearms. And it could possibly be a brand new Mandarin. Maybe, just maybe, it'll be Aquafina's character, Katie. Hmm. I'll throw that out there. But, folks, I'm telling you right now, make sure you go get your tickets. We will be recapping it on next week's ODPH podcast. But until then hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH pod. Shang-Chi and the legend of the 10 rings. Are you excited? Are you amped? Are you going? And if not, why? Let's have that discussion because we definitely are excited here at the ODPH to do it. So all that being said, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. <laughs>
2: This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH podcast. Wanna go out no
0: coming back for the final segment on this edition of the odph podcast pad what you got for those one shots
1: got a couple things to talk about uh first of which is some unfortunate news and paramount has cleared out their 21 21 movie schedule and moved everything to 2022 uh so it came out today that uh a couple movies have been shifted uh jackass forever which is the next and i guess supposed to be the last one we'll see yes uh jackass movie has been moved to february 4th 2022 top gun maverick uh which i've thought was already out at this point, uh, has now been moved to Memorial Day, uh, May 27th, 2022. And Mission Impossible 7, uh, which was supposed to be Memorial Day next year, has been moved to September 30th, 2021. Uh, So then you've got that coupled with the fact that they moved uh, their Clifford, the big red dog movie from the calendar Altogether, uh, they now have no films left in the 2021 slate. Oh wow! Uh, so definitely a interesting move on their part, and definitely a worrying uh, move. On if if you really sit there and think about it, with the way COVID cases are going, you know, movies getting delayed and pushed back, and it makes me really fearful for No Way Home at the end of the year. Not gonna lie.
0: Yeah, you got to be su- suspect about that, but you know what? We just got to kind of grin and bear it, and you know, obviously, everything's got to play out. Safety first, folks. So you know what? I-, I fully get that.
1: I swear, though, not even the No Way Home movie. I swear to fucking God, if the Bond movie gets delayed again, I'm going to throw something.
0: Yeah, no, that's facts.
1: It's it's but it was filmed in like 2017, 2018. It was supposed to come out in like 2019, 2020, like 2020. I'm still waiting. Like kudos to to mgm and the folks over in charge of bond that like absolutely none of the plot has leaked out out of what they've shown outside of what they've shown in the trailer so like kudos to you folks but still if that movie gets delayed again i'm going to fucking throw something
0: that is facts folks if you really think pad's not gonna throw something he's legit gonna throw something. i
1: own every bond film in a box set on blu-ray i watch them all in in less than six months
0: yeah he's not kidding folks it's really gonna go down
1: Really going to go down. Uh, Moving on to some slightly happier news and one that I know you're excited for. Uh, We got a release date uh, for the upcoming uh, next DC animated movie which is Injustice.
0: Let's go! Uh,
1: So this is their next uh, feature length animated movie Uh, has been given the release date of October 19th 2021 and will be out on Blu-ray and digital formats. Uh, Reading from IGN, uh, they say quote the movie is based on the fighting video game series of the same name which includes 2013's Injustice Gods Among us in 2017's injustice 2 developed by mortal Kombat studio netherrealm the series is set in an alternate universe where joker tricks superman into killing lois lane sending him down a dark path the movie is set to be based on the first game as well as the best-selling graphic novel based on the series titled injustice gods among us year one uh let me just run because they also put out a cast list for this movie and oh my god this cast is low-key stacked like this is the most stacked i think i've ever seen a dc animated film
0: that's saying something
1: uh-huh so playing the role of harley quinn you have jillian jacobs who you might know from uh, some show called invincible i don't know yeah i was
0: gonna say she's she's yep. also britta, she's great
1: she was also britta perry on the show community community you've got laura bailey uh voicing lois lane okay uh who you might know she was uh, abby from the last of us part two uh mm-hmm. she was kate diaz from gears uh gears five she was mary jane freaking watson in the playstation spider-man game okay yo again uh, you think I'm done? Oh, no, 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 my friend. I'm not done. Uh, you've got Anson Mount uh, playing Batman. Really? So you might know him uh, from Safe, uh, the Jason Statham movie. He was, in, yep. he was in Crossroads. He was also in Hell on Wheels. Yep. I was going to uh, say from, Hell on Wheels. I know was in from. Hell on Wheels for a hot minute. Voicing Superman, you've got a DC TV alum, Justin Hartley, Ooh. who played Green Arrow on Smallville. Okay. Yo. It, I'm not done, folks. It gets better. You're not the No. Voicing Jonathan Kent slash the Joker, you've got Kevin Pollack, uh, who you might know from, he was in The Usual Suspects. He was in uh, End of Days with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, he was in The Whole Ten Yards. He was also in A Few Good Men. Yeah, he's
0: solid. He's good.
1: Great actor. Uh, voicing uh, Wonder Woman, you've got Jeanette Varney, a.k.a. Cora herself from The Legend of Korra. Oh, okay. From the Avatar-verse. Uh, voicing uh, Captain Adam, you've got Fred Tassator, who's a very well-known voice actor. Yeah, I was going to say, he definitely sounds familiar. Team America, World Police, he was in Final Fantasy VII, uh, Advent Children, Kung Fu Panda 2, Transformers, you know, uh, Transformers, Fall, Fall of Cybertron, you know, the video game. He's a very well-known uh, voice actor. Uh, voicing the role of Catwoman, you've got Anika Nani-Rose, uh, who is freaking Tiana from P- Princess and the Frog. Oh, okay. Yeah, she was, in, uh, she was in Dreamgirls. She was also in Ralph Breaks the Internet as Tiana, yeah, she's great. Tiana Gange. So another great actress. Uh, you've got Derek Phillips voicing Nightwing and Aquaman. Okay. Uh, you might know him from such movies as uh, 42. He was in uh, the USA TV show version of Shooter. Uh, he was in them. He was also on Friday Night Lights. Mm. So definitely another well-known uh, actor. Uh, you've got Reed Scott voicing uh, Green Arrow. Uh, he was on Veep uh, for... Uh, Seven seven years. Uh, he was on The Big C. It was on My Boys and also Dean. Uh, so definitely another well-known voice actor. Uh, you've also got, as soon as I can close this page, there we go, uh, voicing Mirror Master, The Flash, and Sazam, Yuri Lowenthal. Okay. A.K.A. Peter Parker himself from the Spider-Man video game. Wow. Yo. But ba-
0: They have stacked this.
1: I'm not done yet. Holy shit uh voicing green lantern you've green lantern you've got brian t delaney uh, another good actor uh voicing mr terrific and killer croc uh you've got edwin hodge who was in the tomorrow war of course was just on uh amazon prime mm-hmm. uh he was in uh big mama's house he was also in the purge and the purge election year uh also voicing ross al Ghul, you've got uh faran tahir uh, who was uh, Raza in Iron Man. Okay. Uh, he was Captain Rabao in the first J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie. Uh, he was President Patel in Elysium, and he was also in Escape Plan. So you may not know the name, but if you look the dude up on IMDb, you go, oh, that guy. He's got a very familiar face.
0: Well, like I say, you're more familiar with the voice actors than I am, and that's mm-hmm. why it takes me a second when you're saying, like, the character's like, oh, okay. I'm like, oh, yeah, they're and great. And the face. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: playing the voice of Damien and also Jimmy Olsen, you've got Zach uh, Collison, who's a very well-known voice, Actor. Uh, he was Billy Batson in the Justice League War DC animated film. Okay. Uh, uh for if you're a parent, you know, he was uh Prince James and Sophia the First on Disney Jr. Uh he was on the Goldbergs uh, for a couple seasons. He was also in Steven Universe, so another well-known uh actor. And then also you've got uh playing cyborg, Brandon Michael Hall, uh who was on search Party on HBO Max, God Friended Me for uh to the couple seasons it was on CBS. Uh, the mayor was on there. It was also on uh, Monster Party. So definitely a very, very stacked cast, and like I said, one of the most stacked uh voice casts i've seen for dc animated movies
0: that's freaking ridiculous oh it's insane as it should because injustice is so fantastic like the comics have always been the oh, yeah. point. the game is ridiculous uh-huh i'm definitely waiting for the next one to come out and i'm hoping we get some news sometime soon mm-hmm. but like they put a lot of time in it as they should because yeah. i mean that storyline is the snyder verse i'm sorry it is for me sure So, like I say, if he's ever going to do the franchise again, let him do that version. I'm good with it. Sure.
1: Uh, And then some Suicide Squad news and spoiler alert. Uh, there was a watch party done uh, with some folks on Twitter uh, last night as we record, and James Gunn inclu- joined in on the phone, because whenever there's a watch party for any one of the films he's directed, he always joins
0: in on. Yeah, it. that's very cool, MTV.
1: Yeah, uh, so it took place, uh, virtual watch party Monday night, Gunn took to Twitter, and he shared some behind-the-scenes secrets and tidbits uh, for the movie, uh, and if you might have mi- some stuff you might have missed in the first viewing. One tweet in particular I think drew a lot of people's attention, mine included. Uh, during the watch party, he said, quote, important to note, if you look at the life signals in the comms hub, a certain character isn't dead.
0: Anymore. Oh, really? And if
1: you don't want to know who it is, I'm going to give you fear warning now to, like, jump ahead, say, maybe a minute or two. Uh, three, two, one. The character that isn't dead is TDK.
0: Oh Nathan Fillion! Nathan
1: Fillion's character, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, he still has life signals. Uh, so yeah, he was of course the character that could detach his his arms and was like, "Oh my god, oh my god," dying at like the opening of the movie. Yeah, he's not dead.
0: Yeah, you know, that makes sense because I mean it's Nathan Fillion. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I all right. I can see that. Yeah.
1: Uh, switching over to my comics picks for the week, uh, you've got Avengers issue number 48, uh, which is titled World War She-Hulk, uh, continues. After being taken prisoner by the Russian Winter Guard and sent to the notorious Assassin Training Academy known as the Red Room, She-Hulk has been transformed into something terrifying. And now the Winter Hulk has been unleashed upon, upon the world. That's and the, so scary. <laughs> and the only one who can stop her is Gorilla Man? Question mark.
0: I tell you what, everything they're doing in Avengers is absolutely freaking wild. That it's cover like, looks nuts. Yeah, I'm
1: showing, I'm showing Ken. Like the first, the last issue was absolutely batshit insane. We're like, they're just chilling, the Avengers are just chilling in the Sentinel head. They're trying to fix it. Like systems aren't working right. In busts the winter guard, takes She-Hulk hostage, takes her back to the Red Room, brainwashes her and turns are evil, and I'm like, oh, I'm here for this.
0: Yeah, I mean, they've done phenomenal work on this book, so I expect no less. Yep. Uh,
1: You've got Batman Fear State Alpha issue number one coming out. Uh, The event over a year in the making begins. Fear State settles upon Gotham City, and no one is safe. Overwhelmed by the dual threat of the Scarecrow and Peacekeeper 1, Batman and his allies have been one step behind since the events of Infinite Frontier number zero. With the arrival of a mysterious anti-Oracle and the return of Poison Ivy, Batman might have more than he can handle. Uh, I am all For this, it's going to be awesome. Tynan is writing it, so you know, I'm all sorts of involved with this.
0: Yeah, this is going to be a swan song.
1: Yeah. You've got Star Wars The High Republic issue number nine coming out from Kevin Scott, who also just had a like radio drama type of thing come out uh, this week uh, for The the High Republic, so that's on my uh, must listen list. Uh, and then you've also got The High Republic Adventures, issue number eight from the folks over at IDW. So lots of good stuff coming out this week.
0: Absolutely. And on the Parlay Points blog site, we went double shots of Boom Studios this week. Shout out to Boom. Always doing quality stuff. So I dropped a new review for Basilic, number four. If you've been following the blog, you know I'm a big fan of this book. It's absolutely absolutely crazy. Yeah. But it's good. And, man, oh, man, if you like your wild action This is your book. Holy crap. Cullen Bunn and company definitely delivered on a thrill ride that really gets you from page one to the end. Like the buildup is there. It's been coming and we finally get some payoff is fantastic. And I took a shot on another book too, that this is not my familiar territory. This is more up our friends over at eight, one, two, two productions alley, but magic number six, because there is a partnership, uh, for licensing with uh, Boom Studios, Wizards of the Coast, and Hasbro. Oh, okay. So this has to deal with Magic the Gathering, and it's kind of just uh, uh, the franchise storytelling. So this is a very cool book to check out. Like I said, I, I'm not familiar with the whole MTG thing. Yeah. It's not my cup of tea, but this book I very much so dug and you know, got a little more interest in it. So like I say, Boom Studios is absolutely crushing it. Hashtag discover yours. And... Uh, Seriously, get down to your local comic shops. Go support them any way you can. There's a lot of great books on the aisle, too. Ninjak, I keep screaming, too, from Valiant Comics. If you haven't picked up that issue. Oh, my God, you need to get on your system. And definitely support your comic podcast, too. Shout out to our guy, Brian Wayne. Cheers to comics. JVD, the whole fam. You know that, I mean, serious, I could just do this like a follow Friday shout out. But if you need a recommendation, just hit me up at OD Parley Hour. I'll point you in the right direction. But cheers to comics and JVD and the rest of uh, Crossover Collision. Phenomenal episodes this week, too. Go check them out. All right. So for my one shots, all right, let's keep a comic book. There was some late breaking news uh, a couple hours ago as we're recording. Uh, coming from Scott Snyder's Twitter. Well, so you're invested. Oh, you know I'm locked in for this one. Uh, so to quote him, so huge news. Tony Daniel and I just finalized our Noctera TV deal. Hmm. Couldn't be happier with our partners and excited. What's very excited? What's to come? The official announcement with all the details uh, will follow in the coming hmm. weeks. Thanks again for. Uh, thanks again so much. Hmm. Act Arc Two is going to be so much fun. Seriously excited to see this book come to TV. I don't know where it's going. I, um, if I had to guess, AMC could be AMC Sci-Fi. I, I could see Netflix. Oh, um, yeah, that could be. I mean, it depends. But if you're saying TV. AMC might be a deal, but like, yeah, listen, if yeah. you haven't read Noctera, Noctara is freaking awesome. So definitely go check that out and grab some issues now before you see it on the small screen or big screen, depending on where it's going to go. Because like I said, more information about that is to come, but congratulations to Scott and Tony on that. That's phenomenal news. Definitely excited to hear about that. Next up on my list, all right, we're going to keep it comics. So Marvel decided to announce that they have got these quote-unquote 10 pole titles sure. uh, that will shape the future of the MCU or Marvel's universe uh, in the months to come. So this is coming from marvel.com. So there is eight titles that are kicking off December, uh, 2021 Marvel's devil's reign is coming. And that is, uh, pretty much, uh, going to obviously be dealing with the kingpin and to quote the marvel article all hell breaks loose in the marvel universe as the kingpin finally declares war on on all the heroes in devil's reign having set up the stage in the eisner nominated devil epic chip darsky and marco chitto uh far-reaching crossover event finds mayor fisk outlawing all superheroes in new york i was gonna say yeah this is gonna be interesting because fisk is still mayor of new york yeah, so this is going to be something that is going to be interesting. Uh, it's going to be tying in uh, Daredevil, Captain America, Iron Man, Spider Man, and Fantastic Four, and many more against his Thunderbolt agents. Mm. So, in the end, who will win. So, Cicetto's and Zarsky's book has been phenomenal. Like, seriously, you haven't picked this up. It is something. They've been. The Daredevil quality at Marvel has just never had a drop off, in my opinion. So, this is delivered on all fronts. And also coming out, too, is Marvel's Avengers Forever. Now, this ties it is not connected to the previous avengers forever. Sure. They happened way back when, but this uh, event pulls together archeologist Tony Stark aka the invincible ant-man hmm. and avengers from across the multiverse Ooh. to bring order to the timelines where hope is a four letter word. Hmm. So that should be quite interesting. Yeah. Uh, also there's going to be a book timeless where it, um, is going to be tying into Kang the conqueror. Oh, so I know there's a series out right now, so that I believe this is going to be like somewhere connected yeah, yeah, yeah. as a sequel to that as well. This one definitely caught my eye. X lives, of Wolverine and X deaths of Wolverine. Huh. So this is done in the same vein of house of X and powers of 10. Yeah. So we now have the same thing going on here because this will, according to the article, this will test the best there is at what he does before any mutant can survive the second Croatian age. So Ben Pierce, helm his in this. You know I'm going to definitely check this out. And it says, what happens when his past meets his future? I don't know, but I'm sold on this. Yeah. So give it to me. Uh, there's going to be a new She-Hulk book coming out too. And Dan Slott is teaming up with Charles Pacello on Fantastic Four Reckoning War. So hmm. this is going to be doing some crazy stuff. And there was also a Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur top secret book coming out February 2022. A lot of good stuff coming from Marvel. So definitely want to check that out. And like I said, Daredevil has been phenomenal. Zarski's book is, like I say, it's, it's fantastic. Like, if you haven't picked it yeah. up, you need to get that in your system. So a lot of that, uh, definitely keep your eyes out for Marvel.com for more information on that. And my last one, we got a trailer for Fandom. So obviously DC Comics is doing their own con again, which, you know, hey, I'm not mad at them about because they did a phenomenal job last year. And we did get the teaser trailer, which definitely gave us some ideas of what we're going to expect. Because we did get a little tease of the Robert Pattinson Batman film, more of the video game with the Suicide Squad going on. And they kind of just quickly shout out some names of stuff that's going to happen. So we got the Flash. We got the Batman. We got Black Adam, obviously, is going to have something. Peacemaker, Gotham Knights, uh, Titans, Superman, and Lois. Like I said, they got a ton of more. So trying to do justice with it is not going to be there. But information about that is DCFandome.com. And it's going to be streaming 10 a.m. Pacific time and running for approximately four hours. So it's going to be a little different than last year. So definitely go check out the website make sure you set your reminders as you need to because if this is only going to be going four hours i don't know if they're gonna be doing a loop like they did last time i hope so but you never know but there's gonna be a lot of very cool stuff that's going on and it's free too so this will be the week after new york comic con there's gonna be october it's gonna be so jam packed a little bit it's not it's gonna be ridiculous but i'm super excited about it 44 days and counting let's go So that'll be inside, Pad. The music you heard on this edition of the ODPH is that of Shout at the Robots. They're fantastic people. They just rock Porch Fest because they're awesome. As many of our uh, friends of the show went down there and played, Second Suitor, Tom Jolu. It was just an incredible time. And if you want to find out more about these bands, Pad, where do you go? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. You swing on over to the music section. Check out everything that's going on there with all those bands and more because they're all fantastic people. If we put the cosign on them, you need to get familiar with them. That is just how this works. Also, while you're at the website, you go check out The Classifieds, which has friends of the show, such as Excite Wrestling, who has a monster show coming on September 12th. Roundabout Editing, shout-out to Becky. Uh, is a new company that, you know, they reached out. They said, hey, do you mind putting us on the show? And I said, well, you know what? I don't mind throwing you as a friend of the show because they friends of the show. Shout-out to Brad, too. Uh, so they got some stuff if you're looking for some editing stuff. Obviously, our are friends over at Dragon Master Games, we have organizational links to support in Black Lives Matter. All the amazing pod groups we're in via their Podchaser pages because, you know, my rule. If you claim you're in a group on a, a podcast and you're not on Podchaser, you're not in a group. Just saying. So shout out to the Inner Circle. And, of course, shout out to the Apocalypse. And, of course, last but certainly not least, our family over at 607 Podcasts. And, of course, 8122 Productions. Shout out to Rich, Ron, Mike C. And, of course, the infamous one, Big Natty Cool. Still on Twitter, bad. Oh Lord. Yep, and you can't kick him off. Big weekend of wrestling that you know he'll be live tweeting. GCW. I'll give them a free plug because I will plug them all day. Monster Weekend, Second City Summit. Go check it out on fight.tv. You definitely want to go get it if you want your wrestling fix before AEW all out. All of that, the T public store. A lot of moves happening there. Possibly a sale going on too, I believe. I just got the email starting on the Thursday the 2nd. All that and so much more. Seriously, odphpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one and only, Paddle 1J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Kenem. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time.